0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the
1: social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael
0: Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Lee Oden, and we're going to explore influencer marketing, which is a very hot topic, and we're going to talk about everything you need to know to get started. By the way, if you are interested in reaching out to me, my email address that goes right to my inbox is podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com and with that I have a brand new discovery for you
1: after mediating a crocodile family dispute look at what Michael Stelzner discovered
0: okay I found something that is rocking my world and it is an app that works on both the iPhone and on the Android and it's from Google and it's called Google Photos and I got to tell you, this thing is just amazing. First of all, the biggest benefit, I think, to Google Photos is the fact that they allow unlimited uploads of your photos into the cloud. Um, and here's the deal. You can, If you have a Google account, you can do full resolution from your phone, and then that's going to take up space on your uh, Google account. But if you allow them to do what they call high-resolution images... Um, which are more than enough for most of us, it's unlimited and it's free. And I have like 6,000 images on my iPhone. And what I did was I plugged in my phone and I let it run overnight. And pretty much in about a day, all those photos were uploaded to the cloud. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. First of all, to the best of my knowledge, they're tied to your account, your uh, Google account. And unless you share them with someone, they're private just for you. That's to the best of my knowledge, okay? But this is where all the magic happens. First of all, the obvious stuff, you can free space up on your phone, right? Uh, Because it's all going to be in the cloud. And they do allow you to remove the images from your phone if you want to and just have them all sync up to the cloud. But I think the magic happens when you realize what Google does with your images as far as the ability to do search, I am not kidding you when I tell you that I am completely blown away with how easy this app allows me to locate literally from my thousands of images exactly what I want based on Google's smart algorithms that are looking at every one of these pictures and are somehow labeling them. So for example, I can go ahead and I can look at cities. So I can search for a city and Google or I, can search at, or I can look at all the cities that Google thinks that it has in my library, and then I can just zoom in and look at all the photos were taken in a particular city. I can also look at other kinds of places, like, for example, mountain shots. I can just type in the word mountains. I can just look at screenshots. I can even search for selfies, and it will just show me selfies, and I can scroll back in time. Uh, I can search for videos, but I can also search for things like food or sky or long hair. I just started randomly searching for stuff because I've taken pictures of my kids and all that stuff comes up. You can also look at, search for activities like concerts, stadiums, backpacking, birthdays, Christmas, Halloween. I can, this is the coolest part. I can also click on people and every face of every person that I've ever taken a picture of is shown. And then I can click on that person's face, like my wife or one of my daughters, and all the pictures that I've ever taken of them are shown to me. You get beginning to see the power here. I'm like really blown away at how this allows me to rapidly locate things that I'm interested in. Like, let's say that I had something that happened in the past and I just don't know when. And, you know, the old way I had to scroll through thousands of pictures to try to figure it out. Now I can just search for it right inside the Google Photos app. So I strongly recommend it. I've been absolutely blown away with it. I hope you check it out. It is completely free. Google Photos is the name of it. And I hope you enjoy it. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon. So don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And with that, I'd like to transition over to today's awesome interview with Lee Odin. Helping you
1: simplify your social safari. Here's this week's expert guide.
0: I'm very excited to be joined this week by Lee Odin. If you don't know who Lee is, he's an influencer marketing expert. He's authored the book Optimize. He's also the CEO of Top Rank Marketing and his company produces the popular website toprankblog.com. Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Mike. So today Lee and I are going to dig into influencer marketing. It's a hot topic these days. We're going to talk about what you need to know to get started with influencer marketing and we'll dig into a lot of the particulars that come with this discussion. Um, Lee, let's back up for a second. How did you key into this topic of influencer marketing? Because I know you've been chewing on it for a while.
1: Sure. Well, when our agency started like 15 years ago, it was PR and SEO, which were strange bedfellows at the time. Well, one of the key things in that experience was working with key executives at brands and working with journalists. And so there was this exposure uh, experience of getting people that were really well known to publish content And realizing, wow, that has a lot better impact (laughs) than uh, you know some blogger somewhere publishing something and attracting links and doing all the things you like to do when you're doing SEO and PR. So those were the seeds. Gotcha. Fast forward, and we started doing a lot more content. Excellent. And 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 that sort of thing. So that's uh, you know it goes way back.
0: Yeah, we're going to dig into some of the stuff that you're doing in a little bit. I don't want to get too far ahead, but let's back up for a second. Also back up again, I used that term (laughs) earlier, but I want to define, I want to start by defining what influencer marketing means to Lee, because I think it's one of those terms. And I think you might agree with me that has lots of different meanings. And maybe we ought to spend some, a few minutes talking about maybe some of the meanings, and then what you mean by influencer marketing.
1: Absolutely. You know, anything that's rising in popularity it, it, there are a lot of opportunists that start to apply their own definition to make it their own and so they can differentiate themselves so that's really starting to happen a lot with influencer marketing its roots are in advocacy and public relations organizations whether they're an agency or in-house for a brand working with people who are really famous in an industry uh, as a way to you know create an affinity for the brand for however it is that that celebrity is known and to reach the audience that that Celebrity has been able to attract, so you get things like celebrity endorsements. You know, remember t- TV commercials way back when when we used to watch TV as opposed sure. to, and
0: there was mostly sports people, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. In putting a product up by your face and like, hey, buy this product or whatever. Um, and so people still have that idea that you know, okay, if I get famous people to talk about my company, then I'll be famous too. And so that's how a lot of folks see it. But the reality is, is in today's age, especially. In the world of social media, people are empowered to follow their passions, to create, to, to curate, to connect with others and attract a following. And so when I see that, and they see that in empowerment to, to create influence, I you know realize that everybody is influential about something. And it's not just the famous people that can be a part of your influencer marketing program, it can be your employees. It can be that uh, Ted over in engineering who's got a blog with 5,000 subscribers that are waiting on every last word he publishes. Or it could be that person with a million followers. Or it could be a customer of yours that's advocating for you every chance they get. So influencer marketing to me is looking both – internally in your organization for people who are influential in their own right, but also outside your organization to people in the industry, people in your community, and even your customers. And it's looking for subject matter expertise, people that have that, and that also have an active network. And when you work with people like that, you can advance your brand goals in some really powerful ways.
0: Well, I think we should just camp here for a minute because a lot of people... Like you said, in the traditional marketing sense, we think of celebrities, we think of musicians and athletes and actors, right? I mean, those are those are kind of the the main celebrities most people think about. But then, when we start thinking about the social world, there clearly are "quote unquote" celebrities in the social world. I think of the YouTube celebrities, I think of the Instagram celebrities, I think of the Vine celebrities, like Zach King, who does these crazy, creative, you know, short six second animations that are like insane. Um, I also think about um, the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world, right, who are kind of celebrity status within a niche like the social media world. I still think that most people, when they think of influencer marketing, um, that's kind of what they think of. And, you know, in before we got on this call, you and I previously talked about how there are businesses out there that essentially promise brands, hey, we'll get you in front of all these celebrities that you've never heard of before. I'm curious what you think about that stuff.
1: There's a whole category
0: of people on the platforms you
1: just mentioned and others And they're called uh, uh, (laughs) creators. I was almost going to say curators. But they curate too. They're creators. It's uh, literally the YouTube creators, uh, Instagram creators, and so forth. Snapchat, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, there are people there on those platforms creating content with various levels of uh, celebrity uh, influence or even network size. And there are, of course, also a lot of people who have self anointed themselves as being experts, right? right. And, and so there are marketplaces where brands can go and literally shop for a tweet, shop for an Instagram image, shop for product placement in a YouTube video or whatever. And so it is not an uncomplex world in that, sure, you can go shop for those people. And you really, what's the difference between that and an ad? or native advertising or something like that. You're not building a relationship. For companies that are in the business purely of pain to play, that kind of um, work with influencers or creators that have networks that are available for a price is a good fit for them. There are also brands who want to develop relationships with people who are truly thought leaders in their industry or coming up in the industry. And they want to develop long-term relationships with those folks because they have an affinity for each other and the things that their customers, their common audiences care about. And so they're not right or wrong, they're different. And it's important when setting expectations what you're going to get out of it.
0: And I like the distinction of celebrities versus thought leaders. And I think we ought to to pause on that for a second, right? Because Um, what in your mind, I mean, we know what the celebrities are, right? These are the people that have the perceived mass followings, right? Mm -hmm. But what is a thought leader in your mind and why might it be useful to distinguish the two?
1: You know, it's, it's funny. I, there's a, a, a expression I borrowed uh, from, uh, I think it was Scott Monty, a brand individual, uh, to describe someone who is truly invested in developing their own brand, except they're an individual. And they're a professional influencer. They write books, they keynote, they do all these amazing things. And it's all around celebrity and that sort of thing. And they're very useful. Uh, But you're right. It is an important distinction to make between someone that is exclusively focused on being well-known and someone who's a true thought leader. Um, And I'm not saying that a brand individual can't be a thought leader, but um, uh, someone who is a thought leader is someone who's actually thinking and expressing original thought. Uh, They're creating
0: content, right?
1: They're creating content, but they're creating content based on intelligence, uh, based on experimentation, on observations, You know, um, it's one thing to give us give us
0: a couple of examples of some thought leaders.
1: I I pick on Brian Solis as a great example as a thought leader. A lot of people see Brian. Brian's really good at promoting, and he promotes himself. But you know what? A lot of people don't know is this guy's constantly running experiments. Mm. As an analyst, he has to do that. He's constantly doing research. He's doing interviews. And he's literally running research, collecting data, analyzing, interpreting that data. And that helps form, between that and his experiences, help inform the thought leadership content that he's publishing in these research reports and studies and, and that sort of thing. So uh, to me, he you know that's an example. So people who are innovating and creating content. Right? Yeah,
0: and I think that um, if I were to just add my thoughts on this, I think that thought leaders are absolutely content creators, but their content is around, um, like you said, some sort of topic. Um, Like, for example, there are thought leaders in every conceivable niche you can imagine, right? I'm sure they're they're in boating and racing. There's technical thought leaders in... Uh, social media that are highly technical and understand uh, algorithms and stuff. And then there are thought leaders, you know, and these people are always staying up with all the technical research and translating it so people can understand it. There are thought leaders that are trying to understand marketing niches and they are speaking about it either in a podcast or on a stage. They're writing about it in a blog post or in a book um and they're creating instructional videos on it i mean you know those are the kind of things and you know them when you see them don't you lee i mean that's that's a you know versus someone who just wants to be quote unquote famous um right. and i think that's an important distinction so we've spent a lot of time here talking about what is what you know the world of influence and how there's celebrities and how there's platforms where you can just quote unquote buy exposure and then there's these, this other world of thought leaders but they don't just have to be producing content. You said they could even be um, experts within a company, right? Or they could be much Absolutely. more niche than that. So just like, you know, it covers the full gamut is, I guess, the point, right? And is everyone a thought leader? Is everyone a celebrity? I mean, I'm curious what your thoughts are. On well, no,
1: that. but I think everyone's influential. Uh, those people who are expressing passions and interests and creating content in a way that attracts those that are listening to them, those that react to what they say, to what they do. Influence, the defining influence really has to do with the ability to affect action. And Sam Farella really made that point to me when I was early in my studies uh, formally around influencer marketing and that, and, and so you can look at an individual who, like I gave an example before, you know, Ted in engineering, who's got 5,000 subscribers. What's that compared to Gary Vinerchuk, who's got millions and millions of followers, right? And Gary's an exception because he actually has, proportionate to the large following that he has, a very high degree of engagement because he's a very unique individual. Um, but you have someone who's in a niche situation and people are really paying attention and acting based on what that person says. That's an influencer. Because if you have 100,000 people following you and nobody or just a handful ever retweet or ever you know do something differently because of what you said versus someone with 500 followers and 50 of them do something different because of what you said, I'm going to go with that smaller, smaller network size because
0: it has more action
1: involved. It has more engagement. It has more
0: outcomes. So what – Stepping back then, or, or stepping to the side, or whatever I keep saying, stepping. The benefits of influencer marketing. We've talked about what these influencers are and the power that they have. What's the benefit from us as a marketer? Why should we be working with these people? How? What's in sure. it for us as a mar- from a marketing perspective?
1: Well, fundamentally, what brands do when they work with influencers is they tap into their subject matter expertise. Uh, into the reach that they have with their community, and oftentimes their skills that are relevant to whatever marketing or business goal that the business is trying to reach. So some of the specifics are things like better quality content, and we're very focused on working with influencers in the context of content. Um, And the reason why is because then there's something tangible. You can do something with content. Advocacy is wishful thinking, and we wish it would happen, But we can make a lot of content between now and advocacy. And that content can really be important for marketing programs. So quality of content, authenticity, credibility, um, content that better resonates with the community because it's got the voice of the customer in it. Um, Also, the reach, as I mentioned, you can reach people that your brand might not otherwise be able to reach. Um, Ad blocking and numbness to, to advertising and marketing is a big issue. Uh, so so you know, people trust those they know, they trust experts, they trust their peers and folks they're connected to on those social networks more than advertising. So influencers can play a role there. There's a study done by Thomason um, that showed that people who implemented influencer programs are getting nearly a seven to one return in advertising value. So instead of spending that dollar on ads, Right, and they they get an, a dollar back on an ad spend, but they get six eighty five back by working with influencers doing the same kind of thing, um, and there's all kinds of you know other benefits. But fundamentally, it's reach, quality, um, and expertise from the influencers. Um, there's another study that showed uh, better quality customers, shortened sales cycles, and here's my favorite, and that is a, a type of influencer called a prospect influencer. And this is especially in the B2B scenario. So in the B2B world, of course, there are other people that work at companies we'd like to do business with. And if they have a degree of influence or their brand does, why not invite them to make something together in terms of content? And I know, Mike, you've seen us do this with these conference ebooks books and, and other types of projects in the past. A lot of those folks in there are prospect influencers. So what the, the goal, the benefit is, is that it helps you create a relationship with someone that you would like to work with in a way that you're creating value for them. Them first. You're not selling them anything. You're creating value and demonstrating your own expertise by making something together and creating an experience. That's one of the best benefits of all, especially in B2B.
0: Okay. So take a second and pick any um, of these eBooks that you put together and just kind of very briefly help everybody understand what you've done so they can begin to connect the dots in their brain of how you brought all these influencers together to output something.
1: So, over a series of five years, I've worked with various uh, events and, and, and brands um, to identify influencers to co-create useful resources for the community at large, picking a topic, a specific topic, And drilling down into the specifics and inviting influencers to be a part of making this really useful resource is what it was all about. And so there's usually a theme of some kind, you know, rock and roll or Alice in Wonderland or, uh, you know. uh, Surfing surfing. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking waves. Yeah. yeah. And and so the idea was, you know, and, and in the case of the, the surfing one that we do with you guys is, um, you know, these really high quality speakers speaking at the event saying, hey, would you like to give a tip on this or that? Something that they know a lot about, something that might not even be talking about at the conference to create this useful resource that's packaged well. And thanks to your design, it was really well art directed and promoted so that if someone didn't even know about the event, the experience of this thing being promoted by someone that they already know. And then, and then, you know, so there's a promise when you promote something, it's like, Hey, look at this cool thing. Okay. That's a promise. And then when you actually interact with it, it's like, wow, this is really cool. It's designed. There's useful tip after useful tip. Influencers made virtually the entire content from the text part of the content. And, um, and in the case, you know, the, the, the the surfing themed one that we did with you guys that had well over a hundred thousand views so the whole idea was to create awareness create awareness for something that and people- if I can
0: give a little context to this Lee, just so yeah. people can understand this from my perspective the end you know the result was um, you curate a bunch of content from experts in this particular case speakers from social media marketing world and the content was all tips and all these experts contributed their tips and then it's you take all that all that data was put together into this like fifty page ebook slash slideshare slash blog post. And it was repurposed. And it was an opportunity all of a sudden for the collaborative effort of all these thought leaders to be part of something big and and, and beautiful. And then many of them shared it. And the results are a lot of love for the company that's ultimately sponsoring the thing, which is in our case, Social Media Marketing World slash Social Media Examiner. So if you're thinking as a business about how you could use influencers to create content, you can look at a lot of the work that Lee has done. Um, but I think you know a lot of people want to know, all right, that sounds really cool. Um, and this could be used from something as simple as just a blog post of curated content to something much more sophisticated like the stuff that you do, Lee, Um But I think a lot of people want to know, all right, where do I even get started here? You know, I guess, I guess, you know, where do we start? Because a lot of people are like, okay, I want to do something like this. What's the first step? Right. I think the first thing is to decide
1: what is it that you expect to get out of working with influencers? Because it's extremely important if someone is new to doing this, that they, they're thoughtful about what they expect. And if they just say sales, you know, that's fine. But you're gonna ju- you're gonna pay to play. Uh, the only, you know, it's a relationship game. It's long term. And when you do a campaign, you know, you, you, you've you got to have something that goes along with it, like a nurturing effort or, or something like that to take that awareness and build it into, um, uh, you know, consideration and ultimately purchase or transaction. So you've got to think about what role is our work with influencers going to play in our overall marketing and how will we measure success? That's where you've got to start. The next step, of course, is to identify, qualify and recruit the influencers. Okay, let
0: me let me ask you a question about the the typical goals. Um what's realistic with influence, influencers? Because a lot of people expect sales, but is it more an exposure play or what is it, you know?
1: Well, it's like a force multiplier to to your content marketing in a way and that it accelerates the reach, it excel, it it shortens sales cycles, but you've got to have something to sell. You've got to have something that speaks to w- what's solving people's uh questions or problems information problems as they go through the buying cycle so you know it it's not a universal thing it's like saying you know what's the benefit of marketing <laughs> well it really depends doesn't it you know I mean there's different kinds of companies different audiences different things that are being sold influencer marketing is no different but what it does bring to the table is that it has credible people involved in uh, creating or promoting content so that it lowers barriers it it lubricates, so to speak, the speed at which messages are, re- are reached and received by audiences. So, from a goal standpoint, if we use influencers with content in the most simplistic way, and that is by quoting them in blog posts and quoting them in ebooks and that sort of thing, uh, or curated, um, then we can expect that there's going to be a lot more exposure uh, to that content more quickly than if we didn't use those influencers. And we use an attract-engage-convert model for these kinds of metrics, uh, making sure that content is accountable for its ability to attract the right audience in a certain time frame. It engages and creates an experience for them in the right way, and then it converts them um, in the way that we desire, whether it's moving to the next stage in the buying cycle or whether it actually triggers a transaction or an inquiry. So the influencer content can play a role at any stage during the buying cycle, whether it's creating awareness, whether it's uh, part of consideration and evaluation, or whether it's a transaction, or even if it's, uh, around retention or, or, or creating advocacy. So any, any marketing results, any marketing goals you have can be applied to influencer marketing.
0: Okay, cool. So, um, you want to try to identify and locate influencers. Where do you start?
1: Well, you may have an intuitive sense in your own mind of who's influential in your industry, but in the way that you might do, and I'm simplifying, the way you might do keyword research, right? You use keywords and uh, ideas that you bring into Google Keyword Planner and it spits back in search results the list of keywords that are related. You can go to an influencer marketing tool an influencer discovery tool, and basically do the same kind of thing. So you have to decide, well, what is it that we want to be known for? What is the, you know, What are the words that represent what this campaign or effort is all about? And you put those into an influencer discovery tool, and it's going to come back with a list, like search results, of people who are influential about that thing.
0: Do you know do do such tools exist? I've never heard of such a thing. Lots
1: of tools. Do you you have any off
0: the top of your mind, or how can we find such tools?
1: Absolutely. So um, on the low end, on the low end, you've got things like Buzzsumo. Okay. Uh, Buzzsumo has an influencer search function. Um, There are also uh, you can use Group High to find bloggers
0: specifically. Is it a a group h i g h.
1: dot com? Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's a paid, uh, paid tool. Um, you can also use – and this is a client of ours. It's funny. We're actually doing influencer marketing for an influencer marketing platform. Huh. Um, and they're called Tracker, T-R-A-A-C-K-R.com. com. more of a premium uh, service uh, tool. But it's cool because, like I said, it, it, any of these work the same way. You pop in these words and it spits back a list of people who are influential about those things, what social networks they're a part of. And they usually have some kind of scoring system. So you can scope
0: um, them out and see whether you agree with the output, right? Is that the idea? Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's like not—it's very important that people aren't evaluating based on network size. It's not the most popular people that you want to go with. You want to look for a combination of of reach, of course, but you also want to look for relevance. How relevant is the thing that you want to be known for? Uh, and and what is the correlation between that and what they write about? And what is the correlation between that and what their community is? Uh, writing about and reacting to. So there's reach, there's relevance, and there's also resonance. Resonance has to do with metrics related to how well that influencer's audience reacts to what they say, what they publish, Hmm. right? Because if someone's really popular and they publish and no one reacts, well, who cares about that? If they publish stuff that's not relevant to you, well, who cares about that? And of course, if they have no reach at all, we don't care about that either. So we want to have those three things for sure um, there are lots of other tools that little bird is another one. Um, and, uh, scribble live has a tool. I mean, there's, there's a ton. In fact, we'll be publishing a very large list of 50 influencer marketing platforms wow. uh, here in the next two weeks.
0: So if you had to recommend one, which one would you recommend?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, or, okay. Well, so,
0: how about this? We'll just say uh, buzz check.
1: Sumo, I'd say buzz sumo. Okay. They're not a client of ours. Uh, So I'll say BuzzSumo is, is for Twitter specifically, is a very, very amazing tool. Uh, And it doesn't just do influencer discovery. It also finds uh, content that's most socially popular. And there's all kinds of other content analysis you can do with uh, BuzzSumo. But I I would highly recommend BuzzSumo. And if you want to move up the food chain, um, then you can look at GroupPi.com. Uh, or tracker. Both of those are clients of ours. Um, you could look at little bird, which is not a client of ours at all. They're a very good platform as well.
0: Okay. So let's say, um, automotive industry and, um, you know, we use one of these tools and we get 20 people. Um, and then we narrow it down, let's say to 10, but we don't necessarily have relationships with these people. So what's the, what, what's the first step as far as reaching out to these folks? So if these folks are showing up in an influencer discovery tool, then they're creating content of some
1: kind, whether it's tweets or images or blog posts. They're creating something, and that content can give you signals as to how to approach them. Hmm. And you can often tell if someone is interested in having awareness because they spend a lot of time trying to get visibility for themselves. And I love using creation of content as – the invitation opportunity as the collaboration opportunity. So give them some love on your blog post. Absolutely, make a list of those ten people and say, hey, here are the top ten people in the automotive X Y Z thing. They're amazing, and here's legitimate reasons why.
0: Pop 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 And you know they're going to find those because they're watching that stuff, aren't absolutely,
1: they? Absolutely, absolutely. Here and, and and then you go to them and say, hey, we included you this in this list. Uh, just want to let you know we really appreciate all that you do. After the list publishes, you come back to them and go, you know, you're really saying some very interesting things. We're creating this resource. We want to ask you just one question. And you ask them that one question, they answer it, and now you've got a more robust blog post featuring just three or four or five of them. And then you come back later on. You go, you know, that was really amazing what you said. Can we drill down? Can we ask three or four or five questions? And now you've created a relationship all based on value that you're creating for them because you're giving them this exposure opportunity.
0: Is this all done online or are you getting on the phone with these people?
1: uh, Mostly online. However, the more busy an influencer is, the more convenient it is for you to offer to them, hey, we'd love to have you answer a question. You can either do it uh, over the phone right, and we'll transcribe it Uh, Or you can just speak into your computer and have it be sent through Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, direct messaging or something like that, or even email.
0: Right. Now, um, how receptive are influencers when you follow this model that you just laid out? Like, what's your success rate, generally speaking? Or what do you predict that the success rate could be if it's done right? if you
1: have no visibility yourself, if your brand has no visibility at all and you have no blog and you're really, really starting from scratch, uh, things are going to suck for you. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really not going to be very credible. And you're gonna yeah, because to-
0: honestly, I get like emails every day from people asking yeah. for this kind of stuff and I just pretty much ignore most of them.
1: Right. Because so, so, I've never heard of them. Right. However, if you have built up some reputation for yourself, if you're actively advertising and and people from your brand are actively speaking and creating content and that sort of thing, and you've made a a concerted effort to create some reputation for yourself, then when you approach those folks, the chances of them saying yes is much greater. And I have to say, Mike, being funny, being succinct to the point with um, what's in it for them as your lead that the, 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 technique you use in your outreach, as well as whether you're a a known entity all play a big part. uh, You know,
0: I want to drill on, on some things that Leah said here. It's very important to understand that Leah is saying it's a process and it starts with giving some love and, and not asking for anything in return. I think this is the key because I get emails like I got one yesterday that really angered me. Uh, it was, it, it said, quick question, Um, And then in the email, it was someone I've never heard of before from who knows where. And they said, um, hi, um, I am with so-and-so, which I've never heard of so-and-so. I would like you to please give me um, three paragraphs on this thing. And I need it by this date. And it's going to be published here. Thank you so much for your compliance. I deleted it cuz it's yeah. like okay, here's the lesson. Yes, it was efficient for them to try to get everything done in one thing, but first of all, it was it was unethical to say a quick question when they really wanted me to give them three paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it was ridiculous and presumptuous for them to give me a deadline, yeah. right? Cuz I don't even know who they are. And third, I've never heard of them at all or their blog or anything. So, this is a long play, isn't it, Lee? I mean, if you want to, you know, Comment on that. Go ahead.
1: It, it is. And you're, you're right on. And, you know, we literally made, we've run into, we've made some of these mistakes ourselves over the last five, six years. So uh, we actually documented 50, you know, that song, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, 50 Ways to Fail at Influencer Engagement. So you can just Google that, 50 Ways to Fail at Influencer Engagement. And sadly, you'll find a blog post on our blog. But, um, and, and of course, uh, ironically, uh, it was co created with industry influencers. So I wrote about 30 of them or 25 of those things and uh, we got other industry influencers to write uh, 15 of them. That's in awesome. In fact, we even, we even repurposed it and made it into a really cool ebook, um, which we offered to people at Social Media Marketing World and they loved it. Very cool. So um, you're right. Do some homework. Lead with value. It's a slow play. It's a, a in many cases, um, if, if there's a relationship, it's different. And uh, so, so you've got to find a way to create value. Find out what they're not getting and find a way to give it to them. Exactly. As your, as your entree.
0: Now, um, I think it's important uh, to, to figure out what's in it for them, right? I mean, talk to me a little bit about that because so many people that are influencers have people constantly taking things from them for mm-hmm. them, right? And, and yes. how, how do we position it so that they see value in participating?
1: If I see someone is actively speaking at conferences and they're uh, being quoted or writing articles in business magazine websites and blogging and active on the social web, I'm pretty sure that if I can get them exposure on a really credible website or in a really credible way, that's going to be attractive to them. And so that's how I'll package it. But I'll give them options. I'm like, what would you rather be? Would you rather be in Forbes or would you rather be on marketingblog.com? And, and, you know, just – Uh, Of course, before that, though, I would like to have met them in person. I would like to have had an introduction from a mutual contact in a really credible way or something like that. Do
0: you name drop? Like, hey, here's some of the people participating in this. Does that ever help?
1: Yes. Uh, In some cases, I will absolutely say – this. so what I do is um, I'll identify some brand individuals, some really famous people in the industry. And in my case, I work almost exclusively in the marketing space, uh, whereas I have people on our team that work in tech and pharma and healthcare and whatever. But I'll I'll have three names and I'll say, hey, Jane, who works for a brand, like a prospect influencer, and I'll say, hey, Jane, we're doing this thing. We'd like to invite you uh, to be a part of it. Doesn't your name belong next to Bob, Jane, and Joe? right? That's and, awesome. And, and of course, you know, it's same thing with inviting people to a dinner, same thing with inviting people to do this or to do that because they want to meet these really famous people. And the reality is, is that they're just as smarter, smarter than the famous people. And, uh, they all want to really actually meet each other. And and that's a very valuable experience if you can create it.
0: So we've been talking a lot about, um, identifying and, uh, Influences in your space and, and creative ways to 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 give them some love and then ask them to be part of something that's beneficial for them, um, like a collaborative something. You know, by contributing their information into something that might be a blog post or an ebook. Um, at what point do we cross the do we need to pay these people um, kind of frontier and and also the disclosure side of thing? Or Absolutely. is this considered one of those things that's just kind of a bunch of people coming together and there's none of that is necessary? I'm curious what your thoughts are.
1: Very good question, Mike. And I'm glad you you, you posed it that way because um, people do deserve to get paid for some of this stuff, especially folks that are high in demand, that have a lot of skill, that bring a lot to the table, that have demonstrated their ability to affect outcomes, to create impact. So when you're working with someone who's coming up, an up-and-coming influencer, and you're asking them to do something fairly easy like just answer one question or, or hey, I saw that you, you know, said this in this article. Do you mind if I use it in this collection of curated quotes from famous people? And, you know, it's just really easy stuff. That's just a value exchange sort of thing. Uh, Also, if your brand is super well-respected in the industry, a lot of those influencers are going to want to be associated with you. So those sorts of things don't really require payment. But when you use an influencer marketplace like tap influence or crowdtap or or web uh, webfluential or something like that that's all pay it's it's an advertising platform and so you, that's where you're shopping for the, someone to post a photo on instagram do a youtube video for you or a tweet or or whatever and and it's going to cost you and as i mentioned before companies that look at influencer marketing just like advertising this is a good fit for them um but even if you don't use a marketplace like that, if you're working with an established influencer who has those skills and impact it's it is important I think to pay them for their time. And you may not have a lot of money and that's okay. at least say, hey look, we know that you're you're doing all these big amazing things and uh, you know we, we just don't have a lot of budget. We'd like to pay you this as a thank you even if it's a nominal amount. And I suggest that because there are so many organizations t- trying to take advantage of these really talented, impactful influencers and just saying, you know, we've got nothing. We've got nothing. It's just great exposure for you. And- uh,
0: <laughs> What are we talking, know, he, uh, 500 bucks or 100 bucks could be, or $1,000? I mean- It could for be
1: 500, it could be 1,000 for someone who normally gets paid 10, $20,000 to do a one-hour keynote.
0: Yeah. How do you decide whether you ought to do it? I mean, I I guess it's a value exchange, right? It's like if I can get them and we know for a fact that they are going to help us uh, or or that having them affiliated with this output is going to benefit us, it might be worth the investment. Is that kind of what it comes down to? That,
1: That is what it is. If The bigger the ask, the more you should think about compensating them. The other reason to compensate them isn't you know, it's not just to give them money. You're making an investment. I know people who are influencers who are, you know, they're professionals. And when they get compensation, whether it's 500 or $10,000 for a thing, they take this seriously. This is a job to them. Right. And they are going to go out of their way uh, to give above and beyond. And shame on the few that maybe don't do that. But the people that I know, when they get compensated, they take this very, very seriously. And like I said, it doesn't need to be a lot of money, but there's a big difference between zero (laughs) and $500 or $1,000. At what
0: point do we have to disclose any of this um, in the materials that we produce? Anytime
1: there's value created from the brand to the influencer, they've got to have a disclosure, whether it is money, whether it is a favor, whether it is a, a, a gimme, a, I mean, a freebie or, or something like that. So if
0: you give, you know, if, if in exchange for giving this testimonial, I'm trading you something, right, of value, yep. then I must disclose that is what you're saying.
1: Exactly. How do you exactly. disclose that? Um, it can be uh, at the head. It can be at the end. Um, I know, and, uh, you know, uh, we... We, we have like when we were doing it we were running an influencer program for Dell for uh, tech page one I'm sorry a power more it's called now um, and with all these different technology the cloud mobility and security influencers that would write for us publish on their own blog and then that same post would be published on the Dell uh, content hub and uh, there were this really long legalese type of uh, disclaimer saying you know you know so that's a lawyer right that that's a lawyer doing doing that sort of thing in large enterprise large you know, organizations usually require that sort of thing. Um, if you sent some socks to a blogger and that blogger goes, Hey, look at these socks that I got from socksrus.com. are Aren't they cool?
0: That's disclosure. <laughs>
1: so they, they should, yeah, they should say, I, you know, these socks were sent to me from socks or socks
0: us. Gave me these socks and I'm yeah. telling you what I think about them. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, And obviously, you're not an attorney, but there needs to be some sort of, you know, the for the most part, if if you're curating content from people and they're just doing it for exposure, there's no disclosures necessary. It's when that trade happens, it's when either money or favors happen, right? Um, Exactly. That that disclosure must happen. Exactly. Well, we've just scratched the surface of this, Lee, and I know that a lot of people are like, this is really, really valuable. But I also know that you you write a lot more about this. And like you mentioned, you have an ebook and so on and so forth. So tell everyone where they can discover more about you, Lee, and the work that you're doing.
1: So um, certainly on uh, our blog, which is toprankblog.com. Um, there are specialists here at our agency that are doing implementing these programs for clients all the time. And we publish uh, quite a bit about the topic of influencer marketing, influencer content, especially uh, on toprankblog.com. I, I curate a lot and publish a lot on Twitter, uh, Lee Odin. Um, and I also have recently created a, a Twitter account that only curates and publishes information about influencer marketing it's called uh it's kind of a weird one at winfluencer
0: (laughs) winfluencer mktg and why don't you spell it out for everyone
1: yeah w-i-n-n-f-l-u-e-n-c-e-r m-k-t-g short for marketing
0: okay and we'll be sure to have that in the show notes for those that are like struggling (laughs) to remember that
1: (laughs) winning at influencer marketing
0: there you go very cool uh, Lee Odin, Thank you so much For uh, coming on the show today And sharing your insight About influencer marketing On behalf of all my listeners I really appreciate it
1: Thank you Mike It was a pleasure to be here
0: Well I hope you got a lot Out of today's episode I know that uh, We covered a lot of ground And hopefully you found What you're looking for And I know there was A lot of little tools And stuff that we mentioned So if you if you missed it Don't worry We take all the notes for you Socialmediaexaminer.com Slash 201 stands for episode 201. Also, are you new to the show? Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't ever miss a future episode of the show. And if you're a regular listener to the show, would you please consider giving me a rating and a review? Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. You can do that directly on your smartphone. It'll allow you to go ahead and do that. Well, I forget how I normally close the show. (laughs) Oh, here we go. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social
1: Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.